Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. And so, I'm not going to go over all the points that I went over last week, but basically, I've been dealing with, I started opening up this topic, fellowshipping with demons, and to give you a really brief, and I mean brief, overview, because there's plenty to cover today, of some of the points I hit last week, you need to just understand this. Number one, demons are very real. Amen. The Bible talks about... uh, unclean spirits, the demonic realm, it's all throughout the scripture, and Christians are to not be ignorant of it. I gave you some facts about demons. You know, they're not ghosts of people, just different things like that. There's no such thing as a ghost. You know, you die, and your spirit haunts a place, your spirit haunts a cemetery, it haunts a house. That's not, that's not true. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you die, you're either going to be with the Lord or you're going to go await eternal judgment immediately. Your spirit doesn't linger around. In the Bible, there was a spirit of a prophet that appeared to King Saul. You can study any theologian. That spirit, it was not the ghost of a prophet. Any theologian will really tell you that it was just a demon spirit imitating So what we see, you know, can you actually see, could you go into a house and actually see visible manifestations of what would seemingly like be a person or something like that? Yeah, that, that is possible, but it's not the ghost of a person. It's, it's a demonic spirit. Amen. And there's only one type of, you know, I say this, this is true. We were driving around Nacogdoches yesterday, just getting out a little bit. And we saw a bunch of people hanging around in the cemetery. Because I guess yesterday or this month is in Spanish culture, the, you know, they have the Day of the Dead. Well, they'll paint their face and they have different cultural things that they do. And they'll actually go and, and hang around in the cemetery. And I told my wife and I said, you know, there's only two types of spiritual beings. There's angelic spiritual beings, light, servants of the Lord, and there's the demonic. And angels don't hang around in cemeteries. Praise God. You're only going to come across one thing. It ain't going to be the ghost of people in cemeteries, the ghosts of your ancestors, the spirit of your moms or dads or pops. Or You're going to come across demons. And that's what you're opening up yourself to is demons. So I told you there's different kinds of spirit, spirits, demonic spirits. Matthew 17, 19 through 21, they tried to cast out a demon from a boy, Jesus' disciples, and they couldn't. And Jesus said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. Say this kind. So he said this kind, he was giving us insight. There's different kinds, apparently. There's different types of demons. There's different levels of demonic power. I actually gave you a printout last week of the 16 different demonic or unclean spirits specifically mentioned in the Bible. And it goes through a list of 16 different demonic spirits specifically mentioned. And those demonic spirits have several manifestations. 
I'll lead you, I'll read you a few lists. Here's some of the effects of demons, because you need to understand this too, is that demons, unclean spirits, also just to backtrack for a moment, Unclean spirits, a healthy definition, biblical definition, is a disembodied being or a disembodied person. So a a demon spirit, what is their ultimate goal? Number one, they seek bodily possession. A, A demonic spirit cannot operate in the physical realm without having a physical conduit. If a demon wants to do anything in the material world, it has to possess a material being and then carry out its purposes through that material being. Okay, so you need to understand that. That the scripture's clear. Jesus said that he sent out a a demon spirit. It went into the wilderness. Oh, I'm sorry, too. Children's church. Did I not release that? My bad. If I get going, don't ever be afraid to stand up and wave your hands and and say, here you go, Pastor John. Children's church, you're dismissed. You would think after a few years I'd get better at this, right? Yeah, they were doing great. I know she's got a word prepared for them. Those leaders leading the children's church, I'm telling y'all, they're not printing out VeggieTale printouts. They're praying, they're fasting, they're seeking after the Lord getting a word from the Lord for the kids. But Jesus said when the Spirit went out, it it went out seeking rest, and when it found none, it came back to the person, to the home in which it left, and when it found that it was clean and swept and in order, it went and found seven more spirits, more wicked than the first, and they came and repossessed the person, and the person was worse off than they were in the beginning. So here's kind of the point here. Demons are seeking humanly possession. They want to attach you. They're like a leech. They're like a tick. That they can't do. Even when Jesus cast out the, the legion of demons, what did he beg them? Send us into the pigs. Why? That's their after bodily material possession. So you need to understand that. Here's also a fact for you about demons is that demons are eternal beings. They, they're, they're spirits. They don't die. They don't live 90 years and then die. And then also, here's an interesting fact, that demons do not occupy hell. Never once did Jesus cast out a demon and send the demon to hell. The Bible says the demon went out, and what did it do? It began to roam the earth. So say the earth. So right now, during this dispensation of times, demons roam the earth. And and, and since they never die... You need to understand this. Every demon that was present and that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is still present today. Isn't that crazy to think that there could be a demon that we read about in the book of Matthew that we have a specific encounter with in the scripture that that demon is still alive today. It's still on the earth today. That same exact spirit that was in that person that we read about, maybe it's in Asia now. Maybe it's in the United States. Maybe it's in Washington, D.C. Those demons don't die. And in fact, when you read the, the Gospels, and I challenge you, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Did you know that casting out demons was approximately 30 to right underneath 50% of Jesus' ministry? Everywhere that he went, you'll see that he preached and that he cast out devils and healed the sick. I mean, everywhere that he went. 
demons have not gone away. So that's kind of the thing is that where are demons today? Did they go away? Is that not a thing anymore? No, it is. We've just accepted them. We've just tolerated them. They've hidden themselves. They have their occupancy. And we're just renaming and relabeling them. So some of the effects of demons, and this is what I was kind of setting up to tell you, is that so demons are seeking to possess. They're seeking to get into your family. They're seeking to get a foothold in your children's lives. They're seeking to get a foothold in your grandchildren's lives. They're seeking. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. It says, seeking whom he may devour. What do they do whenever a demon, when, why does it want to gain access to your children's life? Is it because they, they want to rattle their curtains at night and scare them? Is that what a demon's ultimate goal is? No. When you read the Bible and you see the effects of a demon infiltrating a person's life, here's some of the effects. Muteness, deafness, blindness, epilepsy, insanity, Suicide, all forms of sickness and disease, torments, fears, depression. So here's kind of my point is that you have, I'll talk about this, but you know, yesterday, I think, or the other day, a movie came out, Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney+. Plus. You know how many Christian parents probably sat their children in front of that, that TV to watch a show like that? And we think, oh, it's cute, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, and and they don't understand the major doors that are being opened, that these demons aren't trying to play games with your children. Doors are opened up to kids. Death, I mean, you know, you don't understand. These doors that we open, these doors that we play games with, that I'm going to teach you about in the scripture, how important that it really is. Can you imagine like a seven-year-old? Being allowed to just watch these movies and being allowed to just have open access to these things and and participate with these demonic spirits. You know, did you guys know that a few years ago during Halloween that they put on the back of a cereal box, they put a Ouija board on the back of a cereal box? It was just like, you know how you can cut out the little things on cereal boxes? And it was literally a cut out of a Ouija board with a little thing for kids to, to play with the Ouija board. Some kid starts playing with the cereal box when they're 10 years old, and we think, oh, that's cute, that's fine. We're Christians in the church. And now when they turn 18 or 19 years old, they commit suicide, and we're wondering, what in the world happened? Didn't I love Jesus? Wasn't I a person that that believed in the Lord? How could this happen to my kid? And you would have never thought that something as, as simple as that opens the door and grants demons legal access into their lives. And so today, you know, the effects of demons, there's all these different demons listed throughout the scripture. I'm not going to teach all of that again. If you weren't here last week, I'm sorry. I love you. I pray for you. Go back and listen to it. It's worth it. I, did, I taught on everything that I just briefly gave you a summary of is what I taught on last week extensively. So go back and listen to it. So here's the main question. Demons, they, form all, they, they come in and, and they manifest and suicide, and depression, and and, and physical ailments, blindness, sickness, infirmity. 
seizures, I mean, cancer. You know, I was reading Finnis Dake's study Bible on, on demons, kind of demonology studying, and he said for every sickness and every disease, there is a demon spirit. And I just thought and said, wow, for every sickness, there's a demon spirit behind it. You know, there's a demon spirit behind cancer. That's a devil. There's a demon spirit behind congestive heart failure. He said, for every single sickness and disease, there is a demon spirit that correlates with it. And he also said, behind every false doctrine is a demon spirit. And he gave the scripture references. Maybe we'll get to that today a little bit. So here's the main question. How do demons gain access to our lives? And what can we do about it? Is it something we just have to live with? Is it something we just have to deal with? No, it's not. How do demons gain access to our lives? I'll tell you a few ways. Number one, today, we'll start with this. The doors to demons. Number one is sin. Say sin. Sin opens doors to demons. I want you to say that. Say sin opens doors to demons. Here's a scriptural example of this in Luke 11, 24 through 26. I referenced it earlier, but I'll read it to you. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest, but it finds none. It says, I'll return to the person in which I came from. So it returns, and it finds that its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. That's also a fact about demons, is that a person can have more than one unclean spirit. It's not just one demon for one person. There's people that they could have. There was a man in the Bible that had a thousand, a legion of demons. What do, you, what do you guys think? What do you see? You know, you see this person that's all jacked up on medication, that they're sick, their liver's not working, they're on antidepressants, they can't, they got to take a pill to go to sleep, they got to take a pill to wake up, they're having suicidal thoughts. What is that? That's a multitude of demons. So it says it finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there, so the person is worse off than before. So you get this picture. Jesus goes. He's casting out devils. He says one of these unclean spirits leaves this person, and it comes back. And here's the question that I ask when I read this is, how does that spirit just have the right to come back into that person's life? What gave it the right? How come it can just so freely leave and then so freely come back? And the Lord actually answers this question in a scripture in John 5, 14. Jesus healed a man, and it says afterwards Jesus found this man in the temple and told him, Now that you are well, stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. What's the even worse? It's the seven spirits more wicked than the first coming back and reoccupying the person. You see how those correlate? So what was the door that op what opened the door to the even worse? Say sin. Stop sinning. 
Stop sinning. People don't understand that sin opens up the doors to allow demons to possess and occupy you. And I'll kind of talk about this. How does that work? It works because demons, they tempt your flesh. You can write that down. How does that work? How does sin open up the door for demon spirits, unclean spirits, to come and, and, and have access in my life? I don't really understand that, John. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to help you. So number one, demons tempt your flesh. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, say tempted, by the devil. Eve was tempted, who? By the devil. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, that is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out if your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter, say the tempter, that is a name of the devil. He is a tempter. And, you know, you have to understand this as well. As I, I covered this in facts about demons, but Satan, he's not omnipresent. That means he's not God. He can't be everywhere at once. You understand that? Oh, the devil's really persecuting me. No, a lot of times the devil's really not persecuting you because the devil, he can't be at your house and Asia at the same time, Right? God, the glory of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. He fills the entire earth with his being. Satan's not. Satan is a physical, spiritual being. He can only be in one place at one time. And so there's different levels. In Ephesians 6, it talks about principalities, powers, evil spirits. So if Satan's the tempter and he can't be everywhere at once, what are his minions out doing? They're out tempting. Say tempting. They tempt your flesh. Basically, how it says the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he, he may devour. Unclean spirits are looking at the church, looking at Christians, looking at people. They're patient, guys. They'll wait. They'll watch. They'll listen. For, and, they'll, and they'll put something in front of you and they'll tempt you. And they're looking for somebody that will bite the hook and then gain possession, gain legal access and legal right into your life. They'll put something in front of you and then they'll try to all of a sudden, they'll get you in anger. They'll get you into hatred. Man, the devil will use somebody to do something so wrong to you. that I mean, literally, it's just wrong. It's, it's so messed up. And the, de and, and the demon will sit there and wait for the words to come out of your mouth. I hate them. And then guess what? You just took the hook. So demons tempt your flesh. That's why the Bible talks about dying to your flesh. If you want to live in the spirit and walk in the Holy Ghost and live in the fullness of Christ, that's why it's so important as Christians that we crucify our flesh, that we die to our flesh. The more that you die to your flesh, the less subject you are to demonic infiltration. That's, why, that's one of the great benefits of fasting. That's one of the main things that you're doing when you're fasting is you're literally, you're killing your flesh. You're, you're, you're learning to live in dominion over your flesh. 
and not living to every little appetite. Well, the flesh wants this, and that's how people are. Whatever I see, I just go after it. Whatever I feel, that's what I go after. Whatever I want, man, I don't care if it's right or wrong. That's how I felt in the moment, so that's, how, that's what I said. That's your flesh. And the enemy's prying around. These demon unclean spirits are prying around waiting for you to bite the hook to gain access. So, in falling subject to that temptation, the unclean spirit hooks you. Say they hook you. This is what Jesus meant in John chapter 14, verse 30. I'll read it in the New King James and the Amplified. He said, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He was talking about Satan. And he has nothing in me. This was right before he was captured taken into custody to be crucified. Satan's coming, but it's okay because he has nothing in me. He has no hook. The Amplified actually reads it like this. I will not speak to you much longer for the ruler of this world. It says Satan. Put that verse up, if you will. Amplified classic. The ruler of this world, Satan, is coming, and he has no claim on me. That means he has no power over me nor anything that he can use against me. Do you know why Jesus was able to say that Satan had nothing in him? Because Jesus never sinned. Hallelujah. He never sinned. Not one time. And so, demons and and the enemy and that demonic spirit, it, it never had any infiltration in his earthly life, his earthly ministry whatsoever, because he was pure. He was spotless. He was tempted the same way that we're tempted, but he never sinned even when tempted. Hallelujah. He never sinned. I know there's a baby. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But y'all focus up here, please. He never sinned. I just think that that's amazing too. And when dealing with sin, is that just reality that you know that we're all we all just have to live in sin and we all just have to struggle all the time and that's just going to be a part of life. You know, Jesus came and he proved he, he didn't come and not sin because he was God. Satan tempted him. He was tempted just like we're tempted. Yet he showed that it was possible to to not sin. Let me show you something in the book of Genesis while I'm talking about this for a moment. This is Cain and Abel. Look at verse 6 of Genesis chapter 4. He said, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Will you be accepted if you do what is right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Look at this. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. God told Cain that. Underneath an old covenant. God told Cain that before the blood of Jesus. Sin is crouching at the door. Temptation. That spirit. But you must subdue it and you must master it. Guys, that's a, that's a command to every New Testament Christian. We have to learn how to master sin in our lives. 
But how can we master sin when there's demonic doctrines being teached that's teaching the church to just accept sin, to tolerate sin, that God accepts your sin, that sin won't send you to hell? You know, I keep seeing all these videos on Facebook that that's what they're titled, Sin Won't Send You to Hell. That's, that's a lie. So, Jesus said, he has nothing in me. Look at Ephesians 4, 25 through 31. It says, stop telling lies. Let us tell the neighbors the truth. Say lies. For we're all part of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Stop telling lies. Don't let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For what? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. But not just anger. Keep reading. For if you're a thief, quit stealing. Why do you need to stop telling lies? Why do you need to stop getting angry uh, in that way? Why do you need to stop stealing? Because it gives a foothold to the devil. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Listen, don't use foul or abusive language. Why? Because it gives a foothold to the devil. It gives the devil a hook in you. It's sin. Say it's sin. What happens with sin? It opens the door to the demonic. How does it open the door to the demonic? Because now he has a hook in you. Let everything that you do be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Do not bring sorrow on God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Say bitterness. Why? Because it's a foothold to the devil. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of harsh words. Get rid of slander. All types of evil behaviors. Why? Because it's the hook of the enemy. In fact, uh, where it says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil, another translation, if you're reading King James, New King James, it says, anger gives place. Say, gives place. That word, that term in the Greek, it actually means a portion or space, an inhabited place. A portion or a space, an inhabited place. So basically what that means is that when you sin, you are going into the the house, the temple, which is your life, and you're clearing out some boxes, you're moving the furniture, and you're sweeping the floor, and you're creating a nice little space for the enemy, for Satan, for that unclean spirit to come and occupy. Evil spirits, demons, say demons, must be cast out or resisted in order to experience relief from them. Evil spirits must be cast out. There's some people, they're demonized. They're under the control of the enemy. You know, there's people that they literally, they cannot get free in and of themselves. They're so bound by the devil, they can't even think that they're, they're like a person trapped inside of their own body. And that's why the spirit has to be cast out of them. 
that somebody who bears the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus has to come in, in the spirit. The strong man has to bind up that strong man and that person and overthrow him and throw him out for that person to get free. But I believe for the born-again believer, you're not, we're not exempt from demonization. Just because you've prayed the prayer and you're born again, don't think for a second, well, I can't be occupied by the enemy. I, there's no way that I could be demonized. And I talked about that last week, that there's, it's demonic possession and the word demonic influence are two different things. Most Christians don't think that they have a demon because they're not possessed by a demon. What do I mean by that? They're not coming, crawling down the center aisle with their head spinning around and running through the church naked like a lunatic, like the, the dude was in the Bible. So they think, I don't have a demon because I'm not doing that. But the Bible doesn't just teach demonic possession. It teaches demonic infiltration. That actually means that, 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 that though you may not be possessed 24-7, that there is a spirit that is attached to you that manifests itself in your life in some way, shape, or form. Brother John, I don't know, can Christians really be demonized? Can they have those? Well, I mean, how many Christians do you know that struggle with the symptoms of a demon? How many Christians do you know that they still struggle with seizures? Right? Right? Yes. Yeah. In seizures, every time, there's, every time that you see that in the ministry of Jesus, the culprit behind the seizure was an unclean spirit. How many Christians do you know that still die of, of terrible, horrible sickness and disease? Many. And the source of that is the spirit of infirmity. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you also need to get rid of this stigma, too. If you're... If you're if there's demonic influence in your life, it does not mean that you're a horrible, wicked, evil, rotten, bad person. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's not like the Satanists were the ones getting the devils cast out of them. They were the normal people. Y'all listen, are you guys hearing me? They were the normal man, the normal woman that could go about normal business, you know, serve their, 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 their mother, serve their father, serve their husband, serve their children, stay-at-home mom, cook three meals a day and loved her kids and kissed them on the forehead at night. But yet because of one of these things that I'm going to talk about, she was demonized in a way. Where did she believe in Jesus, that she have a good heart, but yet she struggled with chronic depression? Why? Because there's a spirit that has to be resisted or dealt with. Are y'all still with me here? Okay, so number one, how do demons gain access to someone's life? Number one, through sin. Number two, this is really the meat of the message here. The more, the less obvious, I should say. How do demons gain access to people's lives? Through fellowship and association. Demons have access to I, I truly believe, who's ever heard Derek Prince before? If you've never heard of Derek Prince's ministry, look it up. He's, he's passed away now. Powerful deliverance minister, and I agree with him. He said that he believed that 80% of the Christians in the church were demonized in some way. 
80%. That they had a, a power that needed to be broken. So how do these spirits gain this access? Through fellowship. Demons gain access to Christian households because Christian households are fellowshipping with demons. What do I mean by that? I'll, I'll kind of set this up, and I'll use a few examples. But Satan uses, how does, he, how does he wiggle his way into homes? How do demons and unclean spirits wiggle their way into your children's lives, into your household, into your family tree where they'll try to go generation after generation? What do you guys think generational illnesses are? What do you think it is that when a woman dies of breast cancer, and then has a daughter that gets breast cancer, and then has a granddaughter that gets breast cancer. That is a generational, that's a demon. That's a curse. What do you think that it is when a man is an alcoholic, and then his son is an alcoholic, and then his grandson is an alcoholic? That, that's, a, that's a demon. So how does Satan gain this access into our homes? Satan uses media, Hollywood, movies, music, games, traditions like Halloween. Oh, no, John, don't start talking about Halloween. I know. Don't start messing with Christians about Halloween. You'll get shot and you'll get ran out of the church. He'll use movies, music, games, traditions like Halloween and substances like drugs and alcohol to get you into fellowship by biblical definition with demons. So I want to help define some of these things. Look at Ephesians 5.11. I'm going to turn there in the NLT and then I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified as well. Y'all, I know, listen to me. I know so many Christians are trained to be screamed and shouted and, and, and just get hyped up and you walk away excited, but you don't even know what you're excited about. I'm really praying today you press in because this will help some people here. This will really help you. Ephesians 5. It says this in verse 3. Actually, let's look at verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate with these things. Say participate. Don't participate in the things these people do. For you were once full of darkness... But now you have light from the Lord. Tell you what, 99.999% of Christians, I'm talking about Christians' problems. Why are we struggling with these things? Because they're still participating with these things. But now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So carefully determine what pleases the Lord and take no part in the worthless deeds and the evil and darkness. Take no part. How much part? Listen to this command in the scripture. Take no part. Say no part. Say no part. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say no part. 
It was very clear what Paul was telling these Christians. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Take no part in darkness. Take no part in these evil deeds. Expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Okay, I'm going to read verse 11 in the Amplified. It says, Take no part and have no fellowship. I want you to say fellowship. Have no fellowship with the evil deeds and enterprises of darkness. Let your lives be so in contrast as to expose and reprove and convict them. Say one more time, say fellowship. That word fellowship in the Greek, it means this, to be partakers of. Say partakers. I want you to get this. It means to be partakers of. It means to be co-participate. It means to share in the company with. So, We can replace that word. He says this, do not partake of the evil, fruitless deeds and enterprises of darkness. Say partake. Do not partake. Say participate. Do not participate with darkness. And so, you know, again, it's like, A lot of Christians would say, Pastor John, I'm not in my room with a Ouija board and candles trying to conjure up demons. You know, there's no way. And honestly, there's a lot of Christians that do do crazy stuff like that. But I don't understand how I'm participating in these things. What did I show you? And I'm going to prove it to you that Satan uses Hollywood, movies, music, games, traditions like Halloween to substances to get you into fellowship. What does fellowship mean? To get you to partake of that spirit. Well, Brother John, I'm not conjuring up demons. No, but yet your kid is watching Jeffrey Dahmer on Netflix. You know, you wouldn't believe the stuff that's going on behind your doors, the stuff that you're listening to, the stuff that you're watching. And by biblical definition, what are you doing? You're fellowshipping with darkness. Say works of darkness. In verse 11, it says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Take no part in the works of darkness. Instead, expose them. So basically, I did some digging. This was, Paul was talking about heathenism that was running through the culture of his time. That basically, there was these pagan rituals that were going on where people were getting together and I'll, I'll be go ahead and read the next verse to you as well, and then I'll explain this to you. Look at verse 12. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. So what he was talking about specifically is these people were getting together. They would go into the woods. You, you know, maybe you've seen, that's kind of where Halloween started with the Druids, and they would put the little hoods on and with the torches, and they'd go out into the woods, and they'd have these secret little rituals They'd go behind closed doors, locked doors, and if you were invited, you were told that you can't speak about, you can't speak about what you heard, what you saw, or what you did. If you tell anybody what you heard, what you saw, what you did, your life will be threatened. Paul was talking about these rituals, these evil things that are done in secret, these works of darkness. That's what he was actually talking about in context. 
You say, well, that's crazy. You know, people aren't doing stuff like that anymore. No, they are today. You know, in fact, you don't have to search too hard that people are coming out of Hollywood. You know, what do you think happened when Jeffrey Epstein's flight log came out and you begin to see that all these people are flying on pedophile jet to pedophile island? I know that word's uncomfortable, but I'm being honest with you. It wasn't just sexual perversion. It was literally demonic rituals. Going to a secret place, to a quiet place, and doing things that you can't, you can't speak of what you did, what you saw, what you heard. There's actors and actresses that said that they came out and, and they've talked a little bit about it. Some of them have died. Some of them have been shut up and shut down. That said they were invited to parties. That when you try to get into Hollywood, they'll really try to sift out who's in and who's out. And they'll invite these people to these parties in these huge mansions. The people that are the, leading the, the sports industry, the LeBron James, the, the, the football players, the basketball players, the rappers, the musicians, the ones that are leading, politicians, news networks, people on the educational, national education board, they're all at these little private meetings that you go into. And they've explained, you know, I'm not going to get so graphic, but, it, you know, that you could go walking through the mansion and look into different rooms as you're walking through. And there's satanic stuff happening over here. I mean, bathing in blood over here. You know, orgies happening over here. Sick and twisted and defiled things. And they try to test to see who, who's in and who's out. If you're not willing to, to be a part of it, you're out and you're shut out. And guys, these are the people that are writing the simple little country songs that we're listening to on 105 The Bull. These are the people that kids are going to their concerts. These are the people where we're consuming their movies, we're consuming their content. You know what we're actually doing? We're partaking. Say partaking. Partaking means to participate, to share in the company of, to partake. Fellowship, to partake, it means to fellowship. We're actually entering into biblical fellowship with that thing. I'll explain this a little bit further here. You guys think that I'm, I'm giving you conspiracy theories. I'm not. I'm telling you the God-honest truth. Some of these actors and actresses, some of the ones you grew up knowing and loving, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise... Oprah Winfrey, they were all going over to Jeffrey Epstein's island and, and doing stuff like that. Demonic, satanic, satanic rituals. Isn't that the same temptation in a sense that Satan tried to offer Jesus with? He took him to the highest place and said, look at all the kingdoms. Look at all the glory. Look at all the wealth. I'll give it to you. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And that's the same thing that I'm talking about. All you got to do is if you, you, know, you want to come, come to this party. You guys think that I'm blowing smoke, and I'm not encouraging you to look it up. Go look up some of, like, Beyonce, her music videos. It's literally her walking through a mansion and looking at different rooms, and there's nasty, horrible, demonic, I mean, just blatant stuff happening, and it's a clear depiction of this stuff. And then we sing songs. I know I'm touching on a, a, a and I'm not giving you a hard time, because I used to love the song, too. Hotel California. I mean, it's just like, it's just blatant. 
this stuff that, that's going on. Anyways, y'all still with me here? So look at this. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. I ain't picking up, you know, that was like one of the first songs I learned on the guitar. I had no idea. Look at verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 6. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, say fellowship, has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion, say communion, has light with darkness? We're going to really hit on that, communion. He said, what? There can't, let me rephrase it this way. There can be no communion between light and darkness. Say no communion. And what accord has Christ with Belial, which is another name for Lucifer? So what, what accord can there be with Christ and Lucifer? What part can a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I dwell in them and walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, what does he say? Come out and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Let's break some of that down. Go back up to verse 14 where it says, what communion has light with darkness? Say communion. So again, there can be no communion between light and darkness. That word communion, it means fellowship. It means association. There can be no fellowship with light and darkness. There can be no joint association with light and darkness. Listen to this. Joint participation. Another word for communion. I'm not trying to be vulgar, but it's true. It's intercourse. Or to contribute. Say contribute. Which, while I'm at it, I'll let the cat out of the bag, intercourse. Do you know, here's another way. How does demons gain access to people's life lives? They do it through sex. The Bible says this in Ephesians 5, 31. It says, for this reason, the two, the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's actually what's happening in intercourse. Two become one. Say two. Become one. And what you don't understand is that when you have sexual relationships, when you become one with one person, another person, whatever spirit that was on that person, whatever spirit was in that family line, whatever spirit had access to them, you joined yourself in communion with them, and the two became one, and now their spirit just became your spirit. You got these kids running around that they're not being taught this stuff. Well, let me just sleep with the, I like this person. I'll sleep with this person. I'll sleep with that person. And guys, kids, now they're 19 years old needing antidepressants. Why? Because they're infiltrated with demonic spirits. What happened? I had this kid and they loved, they were so happy. They were so full of joy. They slept with somebody else and that spirit became their spirit. Am I lying? I'm telling you the truth. That's intercourse. That's a picture of this word communion. 
You know, and again, these demons, when you think about demons, it ain't like, well, I had intercourse with this person and now there's a demon that hovers around my life and he makes me not that happy and he, you know, he rattles my fan at night and tries to scare me. What did we read through the list of manifestations of demons? Did you know death is a spirit? Death is a spirit. The spirit of heaviness the Bible talks about, that's depression. Suicide is a spirit. And it's lifelong until it's either broken, cast out, or resisted. You know, in the book of Exodus, I'm trying to explain to you how serious this stuff is. In the book of Exodus, the Lord released a spirit of death over the land of Egypt. And all the firstborn children died. All their households. Can you imagine little girls, you know, they're 14, they're 15 years old, running around, oh, I'm just going to have sex with this boy. And now all of a sudden they turn 27, 28 years old, and now all of a sudden they have a two-year-old that dies. Now they have a miscarriage. And now this death is running rampant in their life. What's going on? That There was a spirit that you came into unity. You became one with that doesn't leave until it's broken off or resisted. Sickness and disease. I think that there's a lot of people, guys I know, I mean, I wasn't there, but some people lived around in the 60s and the 70s in the sexual revolution. Run around, eat, sleep, just sleep with everybody, whatever feels right. And what do you have now? You have people that aches, pains, just tons of disease in their life, tons of different health problems. That's, that's, act, that's not the believer's portion. You know, and, and just you say, well, I got saved. When you got saved, you received the potential to be free. Okay? When you got saved, did you get healed automatically? Maybe you did, but no. When you got saved, you received the potential to be healed because by his stripes you were healed, Right? Whenever you got saved, does it mean that you're immediately addiction's broken off of your life? No, but potentially addiction has broken off of your life because now there's the power available for the addiction to be broken off of your life. You got a lot of people that pray the prayer, but they never sever fellowship with those demon spirits, and now they're in the church, they've claimed the name of Jesus, yet the enemy is just running rampant through their life in sickness, in disease, in depression, and now all of a sudden, they're like, now I'm saved, but yet, how come my grandchildren aren't saved? Or, you know, now it's going down through the family, the same stuff that happened to me, because that spirit never got dealt with. There's many believers, I believe, that need deliverance. Okay, are y'all still with me? Communion. It says, what communion can light have with darkness? That means fellowship. It means association. It means joint participation. It means intercourse. Look at this word. To contribute or contribution. This will help you. How does demons gain access to my life? When you give a contribution, let me, let me put it like this. Y'all ever hear about that rapper, Little Nas X? Anybody ever heard of him? If you haven't, he's this rapper that came out. He released a real popular song, Old Town Road. You know, I'm going to take my horse down the Old Town Road. The kids love the song. Well, the dude came out blatantly. 
Satanist. Came out, you know, homosexual. He released a pair of Nikes that has blood, like in the back where you have Nike Airs, where there's a little air pocket, had human blood in it, 666 written across the, the shoe. Did music videos of him dressed like a woman, you know, dancing on Satan, dancing on Lucifer, absolutely twisted, absolutely satanic. It's no question the spirit that's behind that person and what they're doing. Whether the song's cute or catchy, whether it's not, there's no question the spirit that's behind it, right? I want you to say contribute. This is how real this stuff is. When you listen to that music, what are you doing? You're giving a contribution to it. Every time you get on Apple Music and you click that song, guess what? Money goes into that guy's pocket. It helps drive the song. It helps drive the popularity. You're giving a contribution to it. And when you give a contribution to it, you're entering into biblical communion with it by your contribution. Did, uh, did you ever think about that? What's wrong with my kids? They're actually entering into fellowship with spirits by the music that they're listening to. When you buy it, you're giving a contribution to it. Oh, it's just a movie. You know, I just went to the movie and I watched uh, whatever. I never knew this stuff. I'm trying to help you all with stuff I never knew. And then all of a sudden you're giving a contribution to it and you enter into communion. And now that spirit has legal access to your life. When you listen to it, when you buy it, when you feed it, you contribute to it. When you contribute to it, guess what? Say intercourse. What happens is when you contribute to it, that word communion, the two become one. You become one with that spirit. You enter into communion with it. Look at verse 14. It says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light and darkness. This was Finnis Dake's notes here. It says, some Christians were joining with the heathen and idolatrous feasts and other practices that would lead to apostasy. Okay, think about this. Let me kind of break that down. What Paul was addressing was that these, uh, these, this culture, they had many gods, they had many pagan practices. They would have feasts, they would have festivals where once a year the whole town gets together and gets drunk. And you could go to this festival, it's like Oktoberfest or whatever now. You know, the whole town's there, the whole town's getting drunk. They were all participating in these idolatry feasts. And so, basically what he's saying is, He's rebuking them, saying, do not be unequally yoked with believers. Basically saying, if you're a Christian, you should have no part in those things whatsoever. I'm just trying to be very simple. Here's the problem in the American church. You have people that claim Jesus, but yet they're showing up to, uh, I don't know, you know, Nicki Minaj in Houston, and they're sending their kids to those concerts. They're sending their kids. You go into the movie theater of the most horrible, demonic thing that you could ever think about, and you were to shine the flashlight, 70% of the kids in there would say, I, I belong to a Christian household. You know, my parents, my family calls on the name of Jesus. 
Come out and be ye separate, the Bible says. Be separate. Say, be separate. Okay, look at verse 17. It says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. So that word unclean, this is interesting. That word unclean, say unclean. Do not touch what is unclean. It is used 30 times in the Bible. 24 out of those 30 times, it's specifically talking about unclean spirits. So what is that basically saying? Paul is saying, come out, be ye separate, do not touch unclean spirits. Do not participate, do not contribute, do not partake of, do not have fellowship with it, don't have communion. What should I do, Lord? Come out from it and don't touch it. Are y'all with me? And then he said, I'll receive you, I'll be your father, you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This was Finnis Dake's notes as well. He has so many great notes, but he says, All demonic, moral, and physical uncleanness must be cleaned from body and spirit if one wants the fulfillment of the promise of God's fatherhood. So remember what we just read. He said, Come out and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. So, Don't participate, don't contribute, don't have fellowship. You have to separate yourself from those things. And if you separate yourself from those things, then I'll receive you and I'll be your father and you shall be my sons and daughters. Okay, look at Leviticus 19, 31. It says this, give no regard to mediums. And familiar spirits, say familiar spirits. That word familiar spirits, that's the type of demon in the Bible when somebody tries to interact with the dead. You would go to a psychic and pay them money and they would try to, oh, I'm going to read you the tarot cards. I'm going to talk to the universe. Oh, you want to talk to your spouse that died years ago? You know, you can talk to me and, and I'll channel their spirit and I'll talk, you can, you know, they'll talk to you through me. So he says, give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them. Say seek. And and to be defiled by them. Say defiled. For I am the Lord your God. To seek means to require, to desire, to request. So basically what the Bible is saying here is do not seek after Mediums and familiar spirits do not require, do not request, don't have no interaction with it lest you be defiled. That word defiled means polluted, become unclean. That word polluted is like this. God has a pot and you take a bottle of poison and you dump it in that pot and what happens? Is that pot that was clean and full of pure water, now it's mixed together with poison. The poison spreading all throughout it and you just became polluted. And guess what? The two just became one. Are y'all with me? As a believer, we have to be completely separate from these things. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 19 through 22. What am I trying to say? 
Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significant? Are they idols or real gods? No, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to gods. Basically, Paul was saying all these other false gods, they're not gods. Buddha's not a real god. He's not a thought. He's not an idea. He's a demon. Muhammad and Allah, they're not thoughts or ideas or just other religions. They're demons. Don't, I do not want you to participate with demons. How clear is that? I don't want you to participate with demons. For verse 21, you cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat from the Lord's table and the table of demons too. Why are so many Christians in a perpetual cycle of sickness, of disease, of poverty, of defeat, of destruction? Because they cannot partake of the Lord's table because they've never severed fellowship and communion with demonic ties. You got Christians that'll, today, in in October, they'll go to church this morning and they'll go home and watch Friday the 13th tonight on Halloween, or or, on TV. And then we're like, oh, I guess the blessing doesn't work. How come I'm not blessed? How come? You cannot drink from the, the, the the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Amen. Okay, I got a few things that I want to show you. I showed you this last week. Give you some illustrations of this. Put the, that spell book up on the, the screen for me. You know, I saw this in Target. I was walking by. I'm trying to give you very practical illustration. Now that you understand what it means to partake of it, to contribute to it, to Give attention to it. That's how demons gain access is through that fellowship. You become one with the spirit of whatever you're partaking of. I was walking through Target. I saw this little Hocus Pocus Disney Hocus Pocus spell book. I thought, you know, because as a kid, Halloween was my favorite holiday. I love that stuff. I loved watching those movies. You know, that was just I didn't know any better. I didn't have the light of the Lord and the Spirit in me to bear witness. And so I, I looked at this spell book, and a lot of people, a lot of Christians would probably think, oh, that's just cute, that's just innocent. And in fact, guys, I made a post about it on Facebook. You wouldn't believe how many people that claim to be Christians were commenting, and I saw people share it, and people shared it, uh, commenting on their, the post that was shared saying, Oh my gosh, you guys are so ridiculous. That's just a funny little movie. It's just cute. And I opened the first page of the book, and it was this. The next slide. You can't see it, but it was a pledge to secrecy. And basically, it was like a a, a satanic prayer that was like, repeat after me. And it was a pledge to witchcraft a pledge to the coven of witches that came before them, a pledge to a life of secrecy and to a life of sorcery. And basically it says, now repeat after me, I pledge. You understand how many children would buy that book or how many parents would buy a book like that for their children and think that it was just cute and innocent and then their little seven-year-old kid begins to read this book and then now all of a sudden, guess what? By biblical definition of fellowship and communion and confession, you've just opened the door for very real demons to come into their life. To kill, to steal, to destroy, to terrorize. 
We cannot be playing games with this stuff. You buy a book like that, and then all of a sudden your kids become teenagers, and now they're, you know, they think that they're a homosexual. Where did this come from? It didn't come from them. It's an unclean spirit. You know, I'll tell you the, the truth, because the Bible says that the enemy, he comes like an angel of light. That doesn't mean that he comes blatantly trying to scare you, and, and it, it doesn't seem like blatant evil and darkness. But before I knew this, a year or so ago, me and my daughter, Emberly, she was three at the time, we sat down and I thought, you know, my memory of watching that little Disney movie, and I'm just giving you this one example, you have to watch, listen to me guys, you have to watch what your kids are watching, especially all throughout the year. Little TV shows will come on that are like Halloween themed and it's, just, it's, it's, it's opening the door for demonic infiltration. We sat down to watch this little show and we started watching it, that Hocus Pocus movie for about five minutes and my wife was like, no, this don't feel right. And I was sitting there, and, you know, she had a book made out of human flesh and, and stuff, and I was like, no, this ain't right. So we shut it off. And a week later, my daughter, three years old, began to scream in the middle of the night. I wasn't in there. She's, daddy, daddy, daddy. She's screaming. And she said, I had a dream. I saw a moon, a big bright moon, and I saw witches that were under the moon, and they were doing these things, and she was totally terrified. And she began to describe to me things, and I'm like, you're three, you know? I know who you hang around. I know what you've seen. We didn't even watch the movie. Where did you get some of the details of her dream? It was like, where did you even get those ideas? You're three. The next night, she began to scream. Next week, she did it again. She screamed in the middle of the night, and then we were, you know, we, we dealt with the devil. At first, we were like, what in the world is going on? But Satan uses these things to gain access into our lives. Say Halloween. Play this video real quick. I got a few more minutes. Play this video. Listen to this eight, this ex-Satanist that got born again. Listen to what he had to say about Halloween. Start it over and turn the volume up, please. Can be taken back like other holidays. But a former Satanist who is now a pastor says, no, Christians should not celebrate it. Turn it up more, I recently please. caught it with John Ramirez, and he had a strong warning for believers. Tell us a little bit about where you were in relation to Satanism and worshiping the devil. Well, at 25 years, uh, eight years old, boy, little boy, eight years old, demon church, learned being trained by high-ranked devil worship with warlock and spiritual witches turning me to oh, know how to take over territory, demon, demonic contract, demon, different demon territory, demons, principalities, first, second heaven. I was being trained all the way to the age of 35, sold my soul to the devil, got married on Halloween, had a demonic wedding on Halloween. I baptized my daughter to the dark side at the age of 11. So that was my whole entire life. I mean, I, I breathed, ate, and slept witchcraft. Wow. Astral projecting. I will astral project over region, leave my body, astral project, curse the region, because if I can curse the region, I can capture the people. Knowing what you came from and what you used to do, you're pretty um, discouraged that you see Christians celebrating Halloween. Why? I, 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 I don't know how you can cheat on God. 
I don't know how you can turn it up, please. Jesus Christ, because I don't see Satan is coming on Good Friday and coming hanging out with us, right? You know, I come out in Halloween. I had a demonic wedding. Why would you put your kids, your family? Why would you put your purpose, your destiny? Why would you put your whole eternity in a demonic altar? But people say it's just fun, candy. Kids are having costumes on. But, but you but said it, it's it, much more. It, 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 the candy, you know, I I, I shared. I, I never shared this before, but this candy. People from different walks of life pray over these candies, witchcraft. They pray over the candies. You knock on people's door. You don't know the person that you knock on door. She's a witch, okay? You don't know she's a witch. She's doing Wicca. She's practicing New Age. And you knock on her door, and you come in. You come in in legal rights of this witch or this wall. Or this person is practicing this stuff, giving you this kind of candy. Mm -hmm. Now you're taking that stuff home. You put that stuff into your body, mm -hmm. amen. And on top of that, and on top of that, I'm Tom Levine said. Out of his mouth, you know, he, he, used to, he, he was the ruler of the Church of Satan, mm -hmm. right? Out of his mouth, he said, I want to thank every Christian parent for allowing their child to celebrate Halloween one time a year. The devil's holiday. And it took Adam and Eve to lose everything because of one mistake. Mm. It took Esau, one, one circumstance, to lose his birthrights. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So why would, you, why would you bring that kind of curse into your house and curse your family from three to four generations? Wow. So when your kids is five and you think it's cool, you dress them up. Once you put a costume on someone, you see, the, the, the trick of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were made in the image of God. They were made in God's perfect image. Right? The devil tricked them with sin and changed their identity. Yeah. And once you put the costume on the kid, I don't care if you dress them up as Noah. I don't care if you dress them up as Abraham. Once you put this costume on Halloween, the the birthright of Halloween, you're changing your kid's identity. The purpose of the wow. destiny has been canceled. Unless you renounce it and bring it back. Wow. That is the trick wow. of the devil. Now, now that you're sharing, and you share this everywhere you go. Everywhere you, I go. You, I'm not afraid. I mean, I'm not, poli I'm not politically correct. I'd rather be right with God. You'd be mad with me, but at least you'll make heaven. Yes. You know, I mean, churches sometimes they get mad. They get mad with me. They get, oh, why are you saying that? Why are you talking that way? But how should I talk? If I, I, my, God told me to speak the truth. You know, Amen. I'm just a mailman. Amen. Now that you're a Christian, you're actually a minister of the gospel now. Amen, yes. Um, you said that you're now in a season where, in your life where you're saying, I want to pay the enemy back for all the darkness oh, every, that he caused 25 years and plus. You know, I, I, I've, I've gone to places that people manifest, the manifestations of demons, people casting out demons, healing, healing the people. I mean, I'm living in the place today of the Church of the Book of Acts. That powerful church, that Amen. church that came out of the upper room. Amen. You know, that's where I'm living. People saying, sir, I was just talking to a, another sister. I was saying this Muslim lady came up to the altar. She had four state cancer. She was a Muslim. She renounced Islam. She renounced uh, the situation. She accepted Jesus. She went to the doctor. No trace of cancer. That's the God that I know. God. That is the Jesus Christ I know. He's the same. I, the same yesterday, today, and forever more. There's people that come from the occult practices. You know, I've been in the occult. I did Ouija board. I did this. I, I, uh, I, I, I did. Uh, I, I, I practiced. Wicca, I practice New Age, it, you know, manifestation, people set free, and you see the transformation in their face, you see the love of Jesus Christ wrapped around them. I mean, how much, that is priceless. I don't mind paying the price. I'm going to do that until God call me home. And when I leave, my sister, listen to me carefully, when I leave this world, I'll make Jesus Christ proud. Amen. And heaven will rejoice. Hell will rejoice because I left the battlefield. Amen. I play for keeps. Amen. Hallelujah. I play for Amen. It's just interesting. I heard that and I thought, wow. He said a few things. He said, you know, again, we just think, oh, what's it going to hurt this one little thing? And it's true. He said it all it took was one mistake for Adam and Eve to fall. All it took was one mistake from Esau to lose his birthright.
right? I just thought that that was really interesting because we just take things, well, what is it going to hurt? Well, you know, all their friends are doing this and all their friends are watching these movies and what's it going to hurt one time? All it takes is one time. And then that spirit comes and it doesn't leave until it's renounced or it's cast out. You know, um, I preached this to the youth first, and I'm telling you, it was amazing because I've, I've heard testimonies now from several different people, even last Sunday and then the youth, that I had the youth come and tell me. A couple of them got together and went over to another member of the church's house, and they went to their house, and they started gathering old books, old movies, old, you know, things that, that the Lord showed them was demonic. Threw them in a bonfire, began to burn those things. I got another uh, report from another member of the church. They said the same thing. They said, man, we just started going through stuff, and we, we put it out on a stump, and we just started burning it outside of the house. And, and, and that's amazing because that's the word of the Lord really touching. That's when you know somebody's heart's being touched. That's what you saw happen in Acts chapter 19. It said that they actually began to go grab their sorcery books, their spell books, and have public bonfires where they would burn these things publicly. Ending fellowship. Hallelujah. I'll tell you these last little few examples here, and I I mentioned it last Sunday, but I mean, it's not even... I've never saw it, and then this year, my eyes were open to it walking through the Lufkin Mall, the store that comes up once a year. What's it called? The Spirit of Halloween. I want you to say contribute. Again, guys, Christians, we're just so light about things. Oh, that's just a store. What's it going to hurt if I go in there with my kids and I buy something? You just contributed to it. It's like I don't understand. You just entered into biblical fellowship with it. You go across a liquor store, you see beer, wine, what? Spirits. Say spirits. Man, I don't understand what's going on with my kids, what's going on with my family. I don't know. Open up the fridge and take a look at the, maybe the liquor cabinet that's, that's in the den or the wine cellar or the, you know, the 30-pack of Coors that sit. Oh, you know, that doesn't matter. There's nothing wrong with a man just drinking a beer every once in a while after he, he mows the front yard, there's, there's a spirit that's behind it. Yeah, it, it's like, John, I think you're just being too, too much about it. Even nicotine. You know, you got a lot of Christians. I know, especially in East Texas. Oh, I love Jesus. You know, I sure do love the Lord. But yet, you can't drink from the cup of demons in the cup of the Lord at the same time. There's literally a brand of of. Cigarettes called the American, what? Spirit. The American spirit. It's like it's not even hidden. It's blatant. And you're, you know, you mean that I can get demons by smoking cigarettes? You just, when you partake of something, if there's a spirit behind something and you partake of it, the two become one and now you're joined with it. And it gains legal access into your life. Horror movies, pornography, sexual movies, music. This is a big one. You know, the enemy, so many times, he'll get you into participation 
by the words that you're singing. You know, the Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And that a man shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. And that's how the enemy gets into people. You know, you, you're listening to something on the radio. I told the kids, I think I mentioned it last Sunday, that I, there was a band when I was a kid. I didn't even like this band. They had this stupid song. And one of the lyrics of the song was, I feel something so right about doing the wrong thing or something like that. And it's like a, a couple weeks ago, I remember I was just like walking around outside doing something, and without even thinking about it, I started singing that. Uh, and I was like, I don't even like that stupid band. I don't even like that stupid song. You know, what the heck? I haven't even thought about that. It, it, but literally, by the confession of my mouth, the enemy's prowling around, seeking whom he may devour, trying to get people into communion and fellowship. The spirit behind Hollywood, I already told you, Beyonce, Little Not, I mean, I'm not just picking on people, but it's true. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all receive that? Maybe you'll go home and, and get some stuff together and go have a little bonfire, huh? Get rid of some stuff. Break off curses off of your family, off of your children. Did you hear that story that he said that Muslim lady came up and she renounced Islam and she went back and her stage four cancer was healed? And that's, guys, I'm, I'm genuinely telling you, you know how people think that it's just the gift. Somebody comes up and they have fellowship with demons, Maybe they, they have a, a nicotine addiction. Maybe they have a pornography addiction. Maybe they, they, they participate in one of those areas. And it's, it's that demon, that spirit's causing that manifestation in their life. And you can pray all day long. You can cast it out all day long. But if they leave and they go right back into it, he doesn't have to leave. That spirit doesn't have to leave because it's granted legal access. There's so many things that can be broken off if you would ask the Lord. If you're seeing any of these habitual problems, infirmity, I mean, just generational, poverty, ask the Lord, say, is there a curse that I've fallen into? Was there a temptation my, my grandfather yielded to, then my father yielded to, and when I was in my 20s, the devil came and tempted me in the same way that he tempted them, and I gave into it, and now the same thing that's been on them is now on me. You have to renounce it. You have to repent. You have to get delivered. You have to resist it, and you'll watch the symptoms of the thing be taken care of when you cut out the tumor and you cut out the roots. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for you, but before I do, I hope that you receive from that, and, and we're going to take up our tithes and offerings this morning. Does that sound good to you guys? Hallelujah. Well, we got through with it. Now we can move on, but I hope that you receive from that.
So, I'm just going to read this text to you this morning as we take up our tithes and offerings. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 10 through 20. It says, here's a warning. This is what the Lord told me. This is a warning about prosperity. So I'm going to tell you, kind of the benefits of biblical prosperity, but then also a warning that comes along with it. So this is in verse 10. The Lord said, when you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. Right? He told them, I'm bringing you into a land that's overflowing with milk and honey. I'm bringing you to the promised land. You'll be blessed. You'll be prosperous. You'll have everything that you need in plenty. But when you get into that land, that's where he says... When you've eaten your fill, when you've had your blessing and your prosperity, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. How did they give God praise for the land and for the crop? You know, they did that through the tithe. It was one way that they did that. But this is the time, he says. So when you've eaten your fill, this is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God, and disobey his commands and his regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and you've built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become pride at that time and proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescues you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Don't forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness and a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. He did all of this, it says in verse 17, so that you would never say to yourselves, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. He says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. Remember that. Who gives you the power to be successful? The Lord, in order to fulfill the covenant that he confirmed with your ancestors with an oath. I'm going to give you real quick, out of this text, here's five blessings of prosperity. Biblical prosperity is a real thing. Say amen. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you're brought into the new covenant, you're brought into, according to the Bible, a covenant of prosperity. The, the covenant that God promised to Abraham. In Galatians 3, the blessing of Abraham, we've been brought into the same covenant promises, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3 says. Here's five, of the, five blessings of prosperity. Number one, it says this, that you will eat until full. Praise God. You'll eat until you're full. That means that you won't go hungry, that, that you'll have everything that you need. Amen. You know, and also it says this, that the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and he adds no sorrow to it. When you receive the Lord, this is, this is the byproduct. You'll eat until you're full. Number two, it says good houses. You'll have good houses filled with good things. Praise the Lord. That's part of the prosperity of the promised land. It says in the, the text we read just now that you'll have good houses filled with good things. Number three, you'll have multiplied herds and flocks. That's Deuteronomy 8.13. Number four, you'll have multiplied silver and gold. 
Number five, you'll have multiplied blessings of every kind. Hallelujah. This is biblical prosperity. This is what the Lord will do for people. But in all of these things, you'll eat till you're full. You'll have good houses with good things, multiplied flocks and herds, multiplied silver and gold, multiplied blessings of every kind. The Lord said, here's two temptations, or here's two warnings. Number one, the first warning is this, do not become pride and don't have pride and self-exaltation. Number two, don't forget God as the source of blessing and relying on your own personal ability. So basically, as God, you see this. Wow, I'm eating till I'm full. I have a good house full of good things, multiplication in my life, multiplication in my money, the Lord's blessings on my life and the things that I'm doing. The Lord says, do not get proud and don't begin to exalt yourself. And then number two, don't forget that God is the source of the blessing and don't begin to rely on your own personal ability. It says in verse 17 and 18, basically this. Perhaps you'll think to yourselves, how can we never? Oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, verse 17 and 18. It says, he did all this so that you could never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth for my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. So basically, you need to understand that. That as God increases you and blesses your life. There's people that God's opened great doors. He's blessed you with so much. He's multiplied you. Don't ever take the position that I did this. Look how awesome and amazing I am. Look how my education did this for me. Look how my just amazing business skills did this for me. Look, no, the Lord is the source of the blessing. I'm the Lord that did this for you, and don't forget it. So I want to read you this. Here's a note on this text. This is Dake's note. He said, God knew that it would be Israel's natural inclination to forget him in times of prosperity and success. The same tendency is found in all nations, but with few exceptions. Man in his depravity credits himself for success and prosperity when the truth is that God is the one with the power of wealth as stated to Israel in Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. It says it is God's highest will that we all prosper, especially his own children, giving him glory for it. Listen to that statement. It's God's highest will. Say it's God's highest will. That we all prosper. Say prosper. God wants his children to prosper, especially his children, giving him glory for it. The Lord wants us fed till we're full. The Lord wants our bills paid. Seek first the kingdom. I'll give you everything that you need. The Lord wants you to have a house to live in, a car to drive. There's nothing wrong with those things. Amen. It says it's God's highest will that we all prosper, especially his own children, giving him the glory for it. To this end, he has made abundant provision. So he's made a way for us to prosper and has given exceedingly great and precious promises that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen. So the Bible says that we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we need for life, he's given it to us in Christ Jesus. 
The Bible says that the believer can ask for whatever. The believer in Christ can ask what he will, and it shall be done. You have all things given to you in Christ that pertain to life and godliness. You can ask anything that you want, and it shall be done for you. According to Matthew 17, 20, 21, 22, Mark 11, 22, 24, John 14, 12 through 15, John 15, 7, John 15, 16, the scriptures go on and on. You can ask anything that you will, and it will be done. There is no limitation to the one who is unselfish. So listen, God will you will eat till you're full. You'll have good houses filled with good things. You'll have multiplied flocks and herds. You'll have multiplied silver and gold. You'll have multiplied blessings of every kind. And there's no limitation but to the one who is unselfish, uncovetous, and, un- and consecrated to the best good of all. It is only when we become selfish and seek prosperity at the expense of others, that we are disqualified, or he disqualifies himself from claiming the fulfillment of all the promises of God. What does that mean? God promises to do all of these things, but when you begin to seek after, right? God's got no problem with blessing his children with money, but when you begin to seek after money, you disqualify yourself from the Lord giving it to you. We can't use, I've been saying it a lot, but we can't use prosperity as a means to justify the love of money, the love of wealth, get-rich-quick scheme, the Lord's my lottery ticket. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you. And Tristan, I'm going to have you come up. I'm going to, he'll give you the ways that you can give, and he'll actually dismiss service in just a moment. I want to pray over the offering, if you have that. He'll tell you the ways that you can give as you're preparing yourself. Let me pray over you. And then I want to pray over the service. But, Lord, I thank you. Jesus, you were so clear. You said that if we would seek after your kingdom first, above all, and live righteously, you would give us everything that we need. That, Lord, we don't have to seek after prosperity. We don't have to seek after those things, and and, and that's what a lot of people are doing. And, And convict us, Lord, if we ever come to that point where we're just chasing after money in the name of, quote, unquote, prosperity. And we're just chasing after these things and we're using it as an excuse for the pride of life. We're using it as an excuse for the love of money and the love of greed. No, Lord, you're so wonderful. that Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't have to convince you to bless them. But yet you blessed them abundantly and you increased their flocks and you increased their herds. You increased Isaac in the year that he sowed in famine. He, he reaped a hundred times what he sowed, and he never had to convince you. He never had to beg you for it, and he never had to chase after, uh, chase after it. That, Lord, even Jacob, you blessed him. 
he served his father-in-law and, and, and was treated wrongly for many years, but yet, Lord, you added it back to him. He never had to chase after the money and the wealth. And, and my point in saying that, Father, is I'm thankful that if we'll seek after your kingdom and just pursue after Jesus, you'll give those things to us freely. I thank you, Lord, for in this church that we'll seek after Jesus. You'll give us houses to live in in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Are y'all dead in here this morning? We'll seek after you, Jesus, and you'll give us money to pay our bills. We'll seek after you, Jesus, and, and you'll increase us. But, Lord, that we won't get so hungry and driven. Just We're just after the increase. We just want the mega millions. It's not about any of that, Lord. That, Lord, we'll actually surrender it all. We'll lay it all at your feet. And we'd be willing to have nothing, Father. And I know that according to your word, you're so good that if we'll position ourselves in that place, you'll give us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And Lord, we cancel selfishness in this room. We cancel greed because the Christian that is selfish, the Christian that loves money, the Christian that loves wealth, the Christian that loves greed is the Christian that's disqualified from receiving these covenant promises from you. We offer it to you, Lord. And Father, we take our tithe and our offering today and we sow it into your work. We care about the local church. We care about your work. And it's an honor for us to take from ourselves, to take from the overflow that you've given us, the abundance that you've given us, to take from our, our table and to lay it at your feet. What an honor it is, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Now, Father, I pray over every person here. I thank you that they begin to cut ties with demons in their life. I thank you for miracles. I thank you for testimonies in the mighty name of Jesus. That, Lord, that you would begin to speak to them now. That there's things that they need to go home and they need to do. There's things that they need to cut off. Maybe there's a relationship of a person they've been sleeping with, and, and you're telling them right now they must cut that off and resist the enemy, and you'll deliver them. You will deliver them from the curse of poverty. You'll deliver them from the manifestations of that demonic spirit. Thank you for your word, Lord. We tune our ear to it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.